1: Fox Hollow, and the author is Jillian Wright, and Jillian joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Jillian.
2: Good afternoon. How are you?
1: Good to have you with us. Now, Fox Hollow begins back in the 50s, and as you say, in sultry Louisiana, and ends in the early 60s, but most of the drama occurs at a place called Fox Hollow, a family estate inherited by one of the characters, Dorothy her parents, and now Dorothy has the estate, but she has one stipulation, and I guess this is the, uh, one of the themes of the book, one of the plots of the book, that she must be the guardian of her mentally ill mother, a mother with whom she's had a stormy relationship. So it sounds like maybe kind of like a soap opera type book. Is that kind of, you know, that kind of, of, of emotional ride?
2: I think that's probably a fair assessment. Um, It um, has been called a page-turner by some of my friends who read it, and um, it it does have uh, a lot of emotional appeal. But it also has emotional appeal because of the drama within the family.
1: Right, a lot of drama. Now, why did you write this? Why did you choose this kind of theme?
2: Sometimes I get ideas and I don't know where they come from, but I think subconsciously it reminds me of maybe certain characters in my own family background. Not exactly, but um, maybe subconsciously uh, I was motivated to write because I have known people like these people.
1: Well, tell us about Dorothy. Tell us about her character.
2: Well, she is a heroine and she's a strong woman. Uh, Who lives with a difficult, or has had a difficult family life? Well, I guess that's the best thing I can say about her, is is she's a strong person, and um, she finds romance, but sometimes in the wrong places.
1: And at the same time, now she has this uh, fairly large estate. Are we talking about a large estate?
2: Yes, uh, we are talking about a very interesting house. Uh, It also reminds me of one I knew as a child, I didn't live there but did visit there, and uh, it uh, represents security to Dorothy because as a child she would visit and uh, get away from her um, drama in her own household and go visit Aunt Patty and Uncle Arthur in Fox Hollow, but it, it's, just, it's a romantic type of place. So a
1: lot of childhood memories, and now she is uh, has uh, ownership of it, but she has this very challenging relationship with her mother. Now, why does she? Why is that so challenging?
2: Well, I think people don't realize uh, that when you live in a family where mental illness is prevalent, that it affects every member of the family. And there, on the one hand, the family wants to love and protect the person. Uh, and I'm all for protecting the rights of mentally ill. Uh, 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 but Living uh, as a child, having a parent who's mentally ill, there is—it's um, a, a double-edged sword because if you do one thing, you're—you're you're going to be wrong no matter what you do in such a situation.
1: Now you bring up a—you uh, bring up the question or the statement about having an illegitimate child. So that is part of this story as well. There's an illegitimate child in the family.
3: Well.
2: Nowadays, this would not be such a big deal because even the movie stars and people in public life don't seem to think that this is a disadvantage. Uh, But in the 50s, it was still somewhat of a disgrace. And uh, actually, there were laws that if a child was conceived within a marriage, but then the couple divorced, and the mother was not married to the father when the child was born, therefore the child was branded illegitimate. So there was a little different way to look at it then, and I think readers have to understand the context of the uh, the period of time in the 50s.
1: So there's a very negative stigma attached to that person.
2: Right, and I I think that, uh, you know, modern readers will have to to think about the historical context to understand how people felt.
1: Now, you also talk about this burden of responsibility when there's a dysfunctional family. You talk about it falling on one or or two members of the family, making them strong, but also you use the word resentful.
2: Yes, um, the very strong. Uh, I've known children who took over the household because the mother was mentally ill, or somebody in the family was drugs or alcoholic, and maybe a child of eight or nine might be have total responsibility of running the household and taking care of younger siblings. Uh, this can make the person very responsible, very strong, and yet they have to feel cheated because they don't have a normal childhood. And, uh, and sometimes such a person can turn into a bitter, resentful adult.
1: Now, like any woman or man, uh, just wants to have a, a relationship, even a love relationship, but this is a, an area that Dorothy struggles in.
2: Yes. Uh, she first fell in love with her good-looking cousin. He was not a blood cousin. He was a cousin by marriage, um, who... whom her aunt had adopted, but um, he disappeared, I guess you'd say, after uh, they were romantic uh, together when they were teenagers. He disappeared from Dorothy's life, and then she met uh, someone in college whom she fell in love with and married him, but uh, the mother... Ruined that relationship, or Dorothy let her mother and her mother in law ruin that relationship. When you, say, so, when and you then, say, and then the cousin reappears, I'll have to tell you that.
1: Okay, but when you say she let her mother ruin the relationship, what do you mean by that? She let her mother do it.
2: Well, the mother uh, came to visit and planted suspicions in her mind that her husband was cheating, that Stephen uh, was cheating, and Then uh, the whole situation got out of control, where Stephen was angry at her, and uh, she wanted to make up with him, but uh, her mother-in-law had advised him, so the mother-in-law also did not want them to... uh, She didn't necessarily want to break up the marriage, but she did want them not to have children because Dorothy's family was stigmatized by having mental illness in the family. And the mother-in-law was afraid that this might be passed on to any children they would have. The most challenging person to get along with the person, uh, obviously, is the mentally ill mother who can present such a challenge because one wants to love one's mother and one wants to do the right thing, but the mother could be very difficult. (laughs) Uh, But we'll find out that she does have some strengths also. And I I did not write this book to be disrespectful to mentally ill people. Uh, And we will see that that the mother does have some strengths, but uh, she's very challenging. And uh, and at times she's humorous because she uh, does uh, say some pretty ridiculous things at times.
1: Now there is a murder in the book. Yes. And it's uh, uh, Dorothy's Aunt Patty.
2: Well, it, it was thought to be an accident, and yet people were not sure. Uh, Aunt Patty, uh, okay, first Uncle Arthur died of natural causes, then Aunt Patty died of an overdose of her sleeping medicine, and um, the mentally Ill, her uh, sister-in-law was the mentally ill mother of Dorothy, uh, the had somehow combined their medicines and uh, in the tea So could it have been an accident or could it have been something someone did on purpose and this uh, unravels as the story progresses
1: So this uh, this has an impact uh, a great impact on Dorothy
2: it does. It does, because in her heart, she's afraid that her mother is a guilty one.
1: So is a part of the book trying to solve uh, whether this was murder or just an accident?
2: Um, it, it plays into the plot. It's not uh, a huge part of the book, but it does have something to do uh, with it. And uh, then, of course, then there's other, uh, ends up being another murder
1: ah. <laughs>
2: toward the end. And, a family uh, member? That's, that's, another
1: family member?
2: Um, yes. So, who
1: is, we have who is close to well, Dorothy, a family member? Well,
2: I, I'm not going to. I don't want to give away too no, much now. If I tell all, right. all of this, well then <laughs> people will say, "Well, okay, now I know what happened." <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> no problem. No problem. So I'm, I'm little just little asking surprises. questions here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but we have to leave a few things, you know. Of for course. Surprise.
1: Of course. So. Uh, what was one of the uh, you? You talked about you talk about these characters being fully developed. Now, uh, what do you mean by that? The way it sets your book apart from others.
2: Well, I don't know that it sets it apart from some really good books, but it does um, set it apart from uh, the purely escapist literature. It is escapist reading, but the characters. Have reasons for what they do. They, uh, you know, having the mental illness in the family shapes Dorothy's uh, character and some of the other people's characters also changed, shaped. And I think we see people developed in a little different way than than you do in in some books that are purely, you know, mystery romance, escapist type literature. So I I think we, we get into a little bit of the family. Uh, dynamics and motivations
1: and part of those dynamics part of that uh struggle you're focused on how i guess it's uh dorothy how she overcomes her inferiority feelings while realizing as you put it that everyone has family issues
2: well i think that's the one thing i would want people to take away from the book because we all feel you know uh, i think almost most people feel if I didn't have this family member or if I didn't have this handicap or if I didn't have this uh, uh, disability of some sort to deal with or if I wasn't poor or <laughs> if I had a better education, somehow things would be better. And uh, we have to come to realize that everyone deals with something. We all have, have uh, uh, something to overcome. And there's no need to feel inferior about it. You know, we just we, we do the best with what we have, and that's that's all that can be expected.
1: Does Dorothy have a friend or family member who really is a strength to her to to help her through all of this?
2: Well, she is somewhat close to her father, but her father always wants to protect the mother at everyone else's ex- expense. And so her aunt Patty seems to really understand her and, and to somewhat. Um, Uncle Arthur, to some extent, um, her younger brothers are just immature. She has a good relationship with them, but she can't really depend on them for anything. She feels, you know, that they they're not very responsible. So she really, um, except for when she was married, doesn't have someone um, really close to her to help her.
1: And then after Aunt Patty dies, it must really be a challenge. It's-
2: Right. And, and then after her husband and she, well, would want to tell too much, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, uh, she, after she becomes estranged from him, then, then you know, she really has to be totally self-sufficient.
1: And does that turn out good for her?
2: Yes and no. Uh, I think her, her realization that she can be strong and that she can come through anything and uh, that she is not necessarily inferior to other people uh, is what came out. Of the situation, and there's a possibility that she will have someone to love um, again. So there's hope at the end. She's not totally beaten down at the end, and that's good.
1: Jillian, tell us how to get your book.
2: Well, we can go to Author House. Um, or you can order it through Amazon.com. You can order it through Barnes & Noble. You can order it through Borders. And I'm having a book signing next Sunday at Borders locally here in, uh, uh, in Athens, Athens, Georgia. So uh, you can get the book uh, through most of the booksellers. And um, um author house is a publisher, but the other booksellers um, will get it for you uh, if they do not have it on the shelves already.
1: Do you have a website?
2: well i I going to get another one i think the uh, one from my other book you know i wrote uh, I wrote another book and I have a website for that, but it has run down. I have to renew that one and and I have to get uh, another one up. My book does not officially go um it doesn't officially go live until tomorrow. I just got an email about that I was thinking it was already live, but it goes live tomorrow. And so there will be more. Uh, I think if you type in uh, my name or if you type in, uh, you could type in The Man Under the Bridge, which is the website for my old book, and I, and I may request that they just add uh, the book information from this book to the same website as my first book. But as I say, the booksellers, Amazon.com and uh, Borders, uh, will all get the book Within several days, if they don't have it stocked already. And I was just at Borders a while ago, and they had uh, already ordered it, and they had it uh, advertised for Sunday for us to sign, so for me to sign rather the two books. So I think this won't be hard to get.
1: Well, thank you, Jillian. Thank you for Are being you on Author Talk. Okay,
2: thank you.
1: Bye. Bye bye. That was Jillian Wright. She is the author of her book, Fox Hollow.
0: You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages.
4: It's the chance for you to hear firsthand from authors on why they write their books in their own words. It's called iUniverse Radio, hosted by Steve Jorgensen every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 Central, on TogiNet Radio. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio, every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 Central, on TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge. Sending a heartfelt message is one of the best ways to touch someone, to touch the heart. But it's easy to forget birthdays, anniversaries, and other special occasions. Imagine how many lives you would touch if it was easy to send those heartfelt messages. Send Out Cards provides a way for you to send a personalized greeting card to a friend, loved one, or business associate in less than 60 seconds from the convenience of your computer. You can even add a gift or gift card. Send Out Cards is about helping people reach out to those around them. It's amazing what a simple message can do. Send Out Cards helps you act on your promptings to reach out and change lives show host michelle bateman has learned through personal experience what it means to be an eagle by always working to be your best self please join our conversation on send out cards radio with michelle bateman to learn what it means to be an eagle on Toginet.com, radio with a cutting edge
0: welcome back to author talk brought to you by author house helping authors publish promote and sell their books around the world
1: title of the book, Torn Dreams, and the author is Ivory Rose, and Ivory joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Ivory.
5: Hi. How are you today?
1: Very good. Good to have you on the show. Now, I'm going to read just a short statement that you wrote about how you would introduce your book to a friend in a sentence or two, so it's just kind of an overview, but it gives people an idea of, of what Torn Dreams is all about. You say that your book gives a perspective on what a child who has run away from home experiences during that runaway life and how that affects them the rest of their life. So uh, why did you write this book?
5: Well, through a personal experience of you know being a runaway, I, I, I'm taking it to help me with my healing process of to deal with the things that go on in a child's life.
1: So that how how young were you when you first ran away from home?
5: 12, 12 years old.
1: And why did you run away?
5: Well, me and my mother, we never had a good relationship and I was being abused by a family member sexually. And I, I felt like I didn't feel loved and I wanted to go somewhere where I thought I could feel love and I thought I could when I ran away but it didn't come out that way. It was just
1: more abuse. You talk about, uh, in your book, you have a character named Ayla, and we are introduced to Ayla at the beginning of the book, where she's married now, and unfortunately, she's had a a miscarriage, and she's had a, uh, I guess, or even her, she thought she was pregnant even the second time, and she isn't, right? Yes. So she's kind of devastated, and Wants to talk to her husband, but her husband uh, Rains, is it?
5: His, uh, yes, Rain. It is.
1: Yeah, that's a great name. I love that, Rain. Um, but he isn't responding to her at all.
5: No, he's not an emotional person. And where she's a very emotional person, he just feels like when a problem comes along, well, you deal with it and get over it. That's how he deals with his problems.
1: So you take us on a journey back from this moment in time where she is struggling and she's also uh, has been fired from her job I guess too a few months before
5: yeah she um she had never been fired in her life and this is the first time she ever been fired from a job and one day she's just sitting at home and just looking at how her life has come about to where it is today and she just goes back and starts thinking about everything she's been through
1: and on top of all that, she has an aunt, Aunt Anne, who has just died because of cancer.
5: Yeah, and yeah, because she had lost her baby. She had one miscarriage right when her aunt's funeral was going on, and that was like a double blow to her. And it was just, she was just experiencing so much pain. And so, she wanted her husband, but he just wasn't there.
1: So what causes her to kind of reflect on her early beginnings? What takes her back to a time when she was young and, and uh, thought she knew everything and uh, wasn't getting along with her mother?
5: Well, she was uh, at the time when she was young, she, she tried to find when she had been happy in her life. And the one time she was very happy was she was raised by her grandparents for a while. And then her mother came and got her when she was about five, and she was just looking at how much of her life had she been happy, and she, noticed, she just realized she never really had much happiness in her life. And how she is today, she's not happy even though she's married and, and everything, but it's just she still isn't a happy person. And she just goes back to that time when she was happy. Well, and then when the, her pain began.
1: Yes, and what caused her then to run away? What was the pain that drove her away?
5: Well, well, her and her mother never got along. Her mother was a very strict woman, and she had got suspended from school. But yet, for about oh five years, she was getting sexually abused a little bit more each year by her stepfather's brother. And she really didn't have no one. She didn't feel like she had somebody that she could talk to about it. She just felt like, oh, that no one would listen. She just felt like she was alone.
1: And so instead of trying to get someone to talk to her or trying to get to to be with someone that she could trust, I guess. I guess she just didn't trust anybody. Uh, She thought she had no way out but to run away.
5: Yeah, her mother was a... uh, well, she was very close to her grandmother, and she tried to get her mother to let her go back to her grandmother, but her mother did not want her to go. And it was like her mother always tried to, whatever made her happy, her mother would try and take it away from her. It was like her punishment. Whenever she'd done something wrong or something, her mother would punish her by taking away what she was happy with.
1: So she runs away from home and uh and where is home? Is it in a big city or a, you know or does she end up in the big city?
5: Uh no, she was in the big city. She lives in the big city. Uh and then she just uh, she just hitchhiked to wherever she could go.
1: And was living on the sh- living on the street?
5: Yes. Yeah, she would uh she with truck drivers and she really didn't know how it worked you know being a runaway but then she come to find out that it was more sexual abuse out there to where she didn't even really know about sex and she she lived you know she would ride with truck drivers and just that's basically what she did she was just going from truck to truck to callers whoever would pick her up and hopefully somebody would pick her up by night so she could have a place to sleep.
1: So how did she get out of that terrible, vicious cycle?
5: Well, she done it a couple of times. And her last time, well, she had uh, wind up with a kidney infection. And she went back to, they finally, her mother finally let her go to her grandmother's to live to get her off the streets and she met her future her, her future husband there and basically he got her off the streets
1: so she finally she thought she had somebody to trust
5: yeah yep she felt she thought she was in love and thought he was her knight in shining armor
1: but there was uh were there problems from the beginning
5: well until they got married everything was was beautiful until they got married and then he beat her a few months after they were married so that come to a big surprise to her that he would do that
1: but she stayed with him Ah yes why
5: well he told her that he was sorry and he would never do it again and she wanted to believe him she felt like she needed to trust somebody and she thought that he was the one that really loved her and that she could trust
1: that's such a uh, pattern with so many, isn't it?
5: Yes, it is. And I I just hope maybe with somebody reading this that it would help them to when you feel you have no way out, there's always a way out. You just got to take it.
1: So what does Ayla do? How does she resolve all this conflict, and how does she get rid of all this pain?
5: Well, uh, in this book, it um we gonna have to wait to the next book to get to that.
1: Oh, a next book. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So this one kind of uh, just describes, of I guess it describes all the pain.
5: Yeah, it is taking. Yes, it is. It's it's help. It's from her being a young girl, and it's taken through her life to where she has so many hard times and challenges and sometimes she feels like she's not going to make it but it goes through her pain and it goes through some of her happiness and it's a very intriguing book
1: and in the process of, of or part of this book though you say that there's hope in the book as well where, where yes. how do we where do we see the hope
5: well the people who she has met while she has run away from home, you know, some in their own little way help contribute to her mentally on that she's a good person and she needs to start trying to make a change in her life and get off the streets. And it's just the people who she has met to, um, who have given her some good advice.
1: So it's just friends that she meets along the way, or these professional people that deal with these kinds of problems?
5: No, it's just friends she has met along the way.
1: Well, friends are so important, aren't they?
5: Yes, they are. Yes, they are.
1: And people we trust are so important.
5: Yeah, but then sometimes that trust is not a good thing with some people because they abuse it.
1: Right. Right, so much of the life experiences that you share you know, through this character, Ayla, is something that you've gone through
5: yes, yes, it's from my personal experience
1: so how do you how do how do you find of uh, hope today how do you find happiness today with all these? very uh, obviously tragic experiences that you've gone through?
5: Well, I think the way I find my happiness is through my work. And writing this book, it helped, but I, I love children. And, you know, you, to me, to give a child or anybody, an adult too, that one day you can give that person a hug or just say hi to them. And it might be that one little thing you do, to make their day better and it helps make your day better.
1: So happiness and from your experience often comes just through the simple things of life, doesn't it? It doesn't necessarily mean money or things. It's simple relationships. Uh relationships build on trust and friendship.
5: Yes, it's just that once that one little smile you can give somebody might just brighten their day up and make their day go by better. Uh, it, uh, to me I feel those little things are more important in life than like you were saying money and everything else you know it's just the little things you do to me it means much more
1: so how did you get yourself off this vicious cycle this cycle of abuse and and not trusting people i guess somewhere along the line you had to trust somebody you had to t- you had to uh, risk of something. Of maybe it was a kind of a scary thing to do, but somewhere along the line, you put your trust in someone else that was able to help you.
5: I have my trust in God. He was first to help me, but I just made it a point to me. I just told myself that I needed to do something with my life, and I did not like the path I was going down. So I just up one day and said, this is going to have to change. And I've been changing it ever since, and I think I'm doing okay.
1: So your book describes these changes that that uh, you went through, and, of course, Ayla is uh, going through.
5: Well, yeah, it, like I say, it's going to be another book to this one. Okay. Uh, it's given different parts of what What's the, happened. What's the
1: name of the new book that you're going to uh, publish?
5: Uh, It'll probably be Torn Dreams 2. That's about the only name I could come up with for the second one so far.
1: Torn dreams 2. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, do you happen to have a website on your on your book?
5: Uh yes. It's a, uh, oh, www.torndreams.com. Uh, I still gotta go in there and do the bio and stuff on it. Because what my job and stuff, I hadn't had much time to do it, so I figure I better get it done this weekend.
1: And how, do, and how do we get your book? How do we find your book?
5: Uh, you can go to www.authorhouse.com and just type in the name of the book and it'll bring it up or you can go to Barnes and Nobles or Amazon anywhere online and you can get it online just about at any bookstore.
1: Any other closing thoughts that you'd like to give, Ivory?
5: Uh, I just I hope people will enjoy my book, and I hope that it really does help someone to where, you know, with children, I hope that it will help them not want to be, you know, grow up so fast and just enjoy their childhood. And I'm hoping, too, that, you know, adults with kids read it, that it will help them to pay more attention to their child's life and not be so busy in their life to where they don't notice the change in their child's life. So really I'm hoping that it will help somebody else.
1: Well thank you Ivory, thanks for being on Author Talk.
5: Okay, and thank you very much.
1: That was Ivory Rose. She is the author of her book, Torn Dreams.
0: You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Maybe if I write a book, it will be the thing that keeps me alive. Those are the troubled words of a new 16-year-old author with her first thought-provoking book, What Gives, published by Togi Entertainment. The author kept a diary during her dark teenage times, which turned into a 360-page suicide note with a happy ending. Texas Monthly describes teen author Chelsea Marie and her new book, What Gives, in this provocative way. We've plunged from page to page, not because of the young diarist's despondency. Depression is not especially attractive or compelling, but because we are fascinated to see that while she is fending off demons on one hand, she is writing verse with the other. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores. Readers of What Gives are giving rave reviews. All social scientists, teachers, and students should use this book as a learning tool. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Brown. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by AuthorHouse, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world.
1: The title of the book, "The Power of Words," and the author, and better yet, the poet is Martha Ross, and Martha joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Martha. Hi. Well, this is certainly a very comprehensive. Uh, Book of Poetry. We got uh, how many poems in total? Do we have? Uh,
3: we have a hundred.
1: We have a hundred. Okay, and and toward the end of your your book, you've got unsung songs. That,
3: oh, well, that was counting the songs. Right,
1: right, and you've got those that would uh, cover all kinds of different feelings of love and lost, I guess, and goals and. <laughs> Just making the best life you can. So I want to read, first of all, this statement by you. Okay. I am a mother of four children, one with special needs. I have always been a dreamer about love, life, and happiness. I believe everyone has a goal in life to fulfill. I believe in making dreams a reality. Life is too short not to reach our goals. This book is one of my goals, and I hope to achieve more out of life in the future. If you have a dream, don't let anything keep it from becoming a reality. Live like there is no tomorrow. Love like it was meant to be. Be happy, for now is living, and tomorrow may never be. May God be with you. Very well put. Very well put. Now, why, though, publish this book? What, What was the motivation?
3: Uh, the book was based on a love story.
1: On a love story, okay. Your love story. Yes. <laughs> with who?
3: Um, well, it's just with family. Okay. And you know, different people. All right. You know. So, so you. That's uh, just uh, words of love that goes out, you know, oh. from me to, you know, different, you know, different ones, letting them know how much I love them.
1: Have you collected these through the years? Have you written them and just kind of collected them, or is this something that's been in, done in a short period of time?
3: It was just something that just started coming to me. You know, when you have love in your heart, your heart just speaks the words, and they just come, and they just keep coming. Mhm. I just think of someone or something, and it just it just comes. The words come. I mean, I don't make them up. I can't sit down and write. I can't. You know, I can't even do that at all. It just comes to me. You know, I can be in a swimming pool, or I drive a school bus, and I'll be driving a school bus, and they just start coming to me, and I just stop and start writing them down.
1: <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's great. What God bless me, with. <laughs>
1: well, let's let's look at some of them. Let's, uh, if you would, read uh, a few and comment about why you wrote that, or what you were feeling, or okay. or give us some insight. So let's start <laughs> with uh, "It's Through Your Eyes."
3: Okay, just read some of it?
1: Yeah, read some of that and then, then, you know, share with us your feelings about it.
3: Okay, it's through your eyes I can see great wonders as you stare back at me. A blessing God sent, and I don't know why, a fragile little body with so much pain inside. No movement or sound, a special chair to push you around. Great suffering and sorrow as we strove, yet giving off laughter is all you know. That is written about my son who has cerebral palsy, who has been through a lot in life. And I just, you know, it just came to me, and I started writing about him. And, you know, just, I don't know, it's just something I wanted to give back and let everyone know how I feel about him. How old is he? He is now 20.
1: And so this was just uh, when you were thinking about him as a, as mm-hmm. a young little boy. hmm All right, let's move on to Imagine That.
3: hmm Imagine That. Hey, just imagine being rich for a moment, the things you could buy, the friends you would have, the life you could live. Just imagine having freedom to do anything you wanted and all the time you needed to get things done. Just imagine sleeping in peace without no worries in the world, going anywhere you wanted and just live your dreams. Just imagine me without you, the pain I would feel, or, the, or you without me alone in the world. Can you imagine that? That's just uh, a bit written based on love. To my uh, ex-, ex husband and um, I give it to him at a Valentine's on Valentine's Day and it was just a special you know message you know we can have everything but if you don't have someone to love you you have nothing
1: so these 100 poems and songs uh, directed toward loved ones at a you know with at a certain time of you know was there an event or was there just uh, some kind of an experience you you were sharing with someone. Uh, how did these come about?
3: Um, well, like I said, they just come. When I think of someone that I love or, you know, have special feelings for, the the words just come. You know. It's just I'm just, you know, writing from my heart.
1: Okay, well let's talk let's have you read another one, Forever a Memory.
3: Oh, I didn't mark that one.
1: I think that's on sixty seven.
3: Sixty seven.
1: Is that the page?
3: Forever a, oh yeah, okay. Oh, okay. He enticed me, laid me on the floor, and even though I said no, he took what he came for. My mind was in a daze, afraid to move or scream. My body, I could not feel. I was praying it was all a dream. This was uh, well. This is really a personal thing, but it was written. This here is based on someone, a a girl being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. She was raped.
1: My goodness. All right. Then there's. 9-11. 9-11.
3: Nine eleven. Nine eleven. Oh, the crying took place. A few calls now and then, telling their families, "I love you." Hope to see you again. For the devil. For you see, the devil tried to take control that day. He wanted to tear families apart. He tried to take life away. He hoped to steal angels, but the devil didn't succeed because Jesus was on board. He was caring for their needs. This was based on the nine eleven flight, and I just felt like. Uh, they needed a, the people who lost loved ones needed a special message, letting them know that uh, their loved ones was, you know, being taken care of, even though they were going through a tragedy at the time. All of them, and uh, that, that fam- their families are still there with them in their hearts, and that they can't wait to see them someday.
1: Well, here's some other titles of of your poetry: "Friend," "Captured," Friend. "The Beach," <laughs> "Yes," "Secret," <laughs> love- "Secret Love." Yes, they were based on love. Mm -hmm. Sourpuss.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My daddy
1: and me. Stolen love. Friendly prayer. Kiss me. Just wondering. Broken heart. You can see this theme of love that goes through all of these. Daddy. uh, Mm -hmm. Still praying. A prayer for you. Thank you, God. So you have a variety, obviously, (laughs) of feelings and words concerning God and family and friends and I guess just uh, reaching out to those who are in need, like you just wrote about 9-11.
3: Yes, sir. The ones there's prayers in here, thank you, God, and stuff like that were written to my son also when he was sick in the hospital. We were supposedly about to lose him, and I would sit down and write prayers and poems while I was sitting in the hospital with him when I was going through a hard time, the things that I was feeling at the time. Yes.
1: And then there's one called Walk Away Cowboy. (laughs)
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Let's see. Okay. Oh, here's another one. Marry Me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Lots of personal experiences here, I'm sure. Yes,
3: there's a lot of personal experiences in this book. This book, like I said, is written on a love story, and there is another book going to be coming out um, later written based on this book.
1: And then at <laughs> the end of story. your book, you have a number of poems that you called "Unsung Songs from My Heart." Now, explain this section.
3: It's just songs that started coming to me. You know, I would be going somewhere or driving, or you know, and it's just little songs would start coming to me. And,
1: uh, and you and just... you and you were these words were coming to you. With some music that you yes, that you, you were familiar yeah. with, huh?
3: and I went home and just put them on a little recorder and sang them and <laughs> wrote them down.
1: Now you got one that we're going to talk about that you're going to read to us. Lookout Mountain, or maybe you're going to sing it to us. Oh no, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> okay. no. Okay, Lookout Mountain. Is yeah, that...
3: look out You want me to read it?
1: Yes. That is that Lookout yes. Mountain, Jacksonville.
3: Yes, sir. Okay, That'd Jacksonville. Yes. It's a uh, Lookout Mountain, Jacksonville, dressed in pink, he'll marry me. Buy a house, build a stone, he'll live like a king. Lookout Mountain, Jacksonville, my true love awaits for me. <laughs> um, we'd go to the mountain, stand and look out over the hills, talk about our lives, make promises to fill. And then uh, I'll read the last one. Now when he goes to the mountain, my tears from heaven he'll see. No more true love, no life for him and me.
1: Well, any any closing thoughts about uh, your book of poetry, your book of poetry, Martha?
3: Um, uh, now I just hope someone like you know people enjoyed reading it. You know, well, and, you... Uh, I think it's just a it's a special book to me, and I'm hoping that you know others will see it as a special book and as special words to them.
1: Well, as you say, uh, hope... as you say, when a person falls in love, their heart gives them many words to speak. This book is based on a true love story.
3: Yes, sir.
1: Well, we want to thank you, Martha, for being on Author Talk. How do we get your book?
3: Uh, you can go on uh, my webpage,
1: marthaross.com. Marthaross.com, okay. Mm-hmm. And you can get it from Author House? Yes, sir. And probably from other online retail bookstores?
3: Hopefully. <laughs> and I have some at home if anyone's interested in it,
1: also. Well, thank you so much.
3: I appreciate you.
1: That was Martha Ross. She is the author, and better yet, she is the poet of her book, The Power of Words.